0: Let me live a life of faith. And that's what we're talking about these Wednesday nights. Living a life of faith. Beautiful hymn written by John Newton. Same man that wrote Amazing Grace. Beautiful, beautiful words. I love that second verse. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. We praise such little prayers sometimes, don't we? Bring big ones. Because he's a king. For his grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there's no prayer too big to ask? That you couldn't possibly ask too much? We have not because we ask not. I want you to take God's word with me, please, and turn once again to the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And we begun the last couple of Wednesday nights a series through this chapter, and I have felt that it's the Lord's leading at this time in which we are living a very appropriate study on these men and women and this thought of living by faith. That is the opposite of living by fear. We are surrounded with a world of people living by fear, living in fear, acting in fear, We as God's people ought to live by faith. I want to begin tonight by looking one by one at the characters found in this chapter. Several years ago, I think five or maybe longer, seven, seven or so years ago, I went through this passage of Scripture, and I believe it's the time to visit it again. Let's look together at the first four verses. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Hebrews tells us it's by faith that we believe the world was created by God. God created it out of nothing. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. The faith of Abel. By faith, Abel. We're dealing with the matter of living by faith. And God has illustrated for us what it means to live by faith, what it looks like to live by faith, and he has graciously compiled for us a list, you could say, of great examples of how to live by faith. You might be thinking tonight, well, we're living in very difficult times, and I don't know what to do. Well, open God's Word, because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I was blessed this morning in my personal time of reading, and uh, the nothing like spending some days in prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord, and uh, giving more time than you typically would to the study of the Scriptures. And to prayer but I was greatly blessed by the Lord in in looking at the book of um, Isaiah today and I've I've written even I put the today's date beside a text because I just felt it was just applicable for me it was just what I needed to hear during this time and during this day and I want to share if I can find it here I want to share with you uh, this evening there it is in Isaiah 54 in verse 4 fear not Don't be afraid. Why? For thou shalt not be ashamed. I think a lot of Christians today, a lot of God's people are holding back and and because they don't want to be ashamed. They're afraid of what people may say. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither be thou confounded. The whole world is confused right now. But God's people ought not to be Neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth. And I believe God was speaking to me today. Rather than live by fear, let's live by faith. God has given us here some examples. It's interesting, the Lord Jesus speaks about Abel in Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 34, I'll read it for you. Jesus says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Jesus refers to Abel as righteous Abel. The Lord Jesus testified that this man who, who we're speaking of today was a righteous man. Hebrews chapter 4, we're told the difference. We're told that there is a difference between Cain and Abel. Now, I, I know a lot of people occasionally have trouble with the story of Cain and Abel, they get bent out of shape about it. Well, why did God get so angry? And that Cain, you know, he brought something really good. Why did God get so angry? But you're missing the whole point. The point of, of the lesson found in the historical account of Cain and Abel was not in what they brought. That wasn't the point. The point was in how they responded to the word of God. And so in verse number four of our text, by faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. What made the sacrifice more excellent? Well, it was what it was supposed to be, and it was offered by faith. And because it was offered by faith, it was an excellent sacrifice. You see, the truth of the matter is many times what we offer to God is not acceptable because it's not offered by faith. We're going to look at this tonight. He goes on. It was a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. There's a difference between the offering of Cain and the offering of Abel. And I want God willing this evening, I want you to figure out before the end of this meeting whether you have been offering gifts like Cain or offering them like Abel because it is of utmost importance that we get this right. This is the difference of living by faith and living by flesh. This is what we're going to notice. It's interesting in in the book of Jude, that's the second to the last book of the Bible, in verse number 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. So not only do we see that Cain had a certain kind of an offering, but there's a certain kind of way of living. By the way, that way of living involves some sort of form of worship. So don't get, in, get on a high horse and think that when we talk about Cain, don't switch off in your head thinking that Cain represents all the ungodly drunkards and all the prostitutes and all the murderers. no, 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 no. We're talking about a man who was still involved in religious activity. The way of Cain and the way of Abel. The way of Cain is self-willed, self-determined. And ultimately it comes down to denying God. Some of the men studied the book of 1 John together over the last couple of days, and the Lord really dealt with us, spoke to us. I was talking with our dear brother Paul, one of our deacons, and today, and he said, Boy, if you if you really wanna if you really want to humble a believer, then. Then uh, uh, study the book of One John. I, he said, "Did you do that on purpose?" I said, "No," uh, but we got into that book and realized there are some things there that are very humbling. There some evident signs that God's children ought to be bearing. Here's what. Here's what the most glaring sign and mark of a child of God. Do you know what it is? It's not your boldness and your evangelism. It's not all the right. All the right theology, although it's good. No, no, no. The defining mark and characteristic of a child of God is his love. Love for the brethren. In fact, in 1 John chapter 3, in verse number 10, listen. In this, the children of God are manifest. Meaning, in what he's about to say, is the evidence that you're a child of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. So in what he's about to talk about, you will clearly see whether there's a child of God or a child of the devil. He goes on. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brethren righteousness, and love. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. I don't care how right you are in your theology. If there is no love for the brethren, there's something terribly wrong. Verse 12. The end of verse 11, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, killed him. And wherefore slew he him? Why did Cain kill his brother? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. There's a difference between the children of God and the children of the devil. There's a difference between the way of Cain and the way of Abel. You will either live the life of faith or you will live the life of self-will and self-service. Self-will and self-service is the life of Cain that says, look what I can do and look what I can produce and look what my hands have wrought. Many people claim to be people of faith but they live a life of self-service and self-will. It's a serious matter, listen carefully, a serious matter to go in the way of Cain. It is the way that goes away from God. It is a way that is void of the Lord Jesus. Now remember, Jesus is the object of our faith, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Christ is the object of our faith. The first list of, of people, the first list of men and women of, on the list of men and women of faith in our text is Abel. And I want, I believe God wants us to learn a few things here. I want you to notice, first of all, in our little study on Abel, is wants us to learn something about his family. Now, we'll get to Cain in a moment, but let me remind you, who was Cain and Abel's father and mother? None other but Adam and Eve. Cain was the firstborn child, firstborn male man-child on the earth. And so their father and mother were the original parents of all of humanity. Romans chapter 5 tells us something interesting. In verse number 12, you know, you know the text. You don't have to turn there. But Romans 5 verse 12 says this. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned well who was that one man through which sin passed upon all the world adam cain and abel's father what am i getting at well let's go over to genesis chapter 3 and i'll tell you exactly what i'm getting at where does adam and eve and the fall uh, what does that have anything to do with the story of cain and abel it has very much to do I want you to look at it with me. Genesis chapter 3, look at verse number 15. This is the result of the fall. And it's the first time we find the gospel in all of God's word. The first book of the Bible, chapter 3. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Now let's stop for a moment. Immediately we find in Genesis chapter 3 that there are two seeds. The seed of the woman which will be the Lord Jesus, and the seed of the serpent, children of God and children of the devil. The Bible says there'll be an enmity between the Lord Jesus Christ and all that follow him and his seed, the Satan's seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is speaking of what the work that would be accomplished on the cross. The Lord Jesus would crush the head of Satan. And although Satan it looked as if Satan was winning a little battle, he got a little nip at Jesus' heel. He would rise victorious, crushing the head of Satan. Under the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all of the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Now watch what's next. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. What happened? We have the very first sacrifice We have the very first blood offering. A life was taken for the covering of sin. Now what does that have to do with Adam and Eve? Well, look at the very next chapter in verse number one. And Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. So here we go, Adam and Eve are removed from the garden a sacrifice has been made for the atonement of their sins, for the covering of their sins. And she has a child. And I'm certain she imagines that this is to be a hopeful thing. After all that they've been through, after their rebellion against God and their discipline because of it, and now things have begun to, began to uh, get difficult. I'm certain with this child, she's remembering the words of God, uh, speaking about her seed. And I'm sure that she was very hopeful. But Cain, that first child, proves to be everything but hopeful. We continue to read in chapter 4, verses 2 to 5, and we begin to understand uh, that God wanted his children instructed. Well, how do we know that? Well, let's read the next few verses. She again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now immediately we notice something. The children of Adam and Eve are bringing an offering to God. Now why are they doing that? They have been taught from their father and their mother that sin requires a covering. No doubt about it. Adam and Eve would have sat their children down and explained what happened. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now you can exercise faith in two ways. It's very interesting. You can stand up like this and hold a Bible up and say, I believe that the Bible is the word of God. And by, I believe by faith, this is God's word. That's good. That's part, that's one way. But, you can also take action on what the word says. And that is faith. It's not faith simply to say you believe something. James talks about that, doesn't he? Faith without works is dead. True faith, look here, is taking this saying, I believe this, and therefore I will obey it. That is faith. And I'm convinced that Adam and Eve taught both of these boys, both of these children, the very same thing. Now this, remember, Adam and Eve didn't have a Bible. They didn't have any uh, written word of God like we do. They had no other, they didn't need a prophet. They talked to God in the garden before all of this took place. But they, although they didn't have a Bible, they knew exactly what God had said. And so, based upon what God had said and what God has done, they began to teach their children. Can I ask you this evening, are you teaching your children what God has said and what God has done? I believe firmly that Adam and Eve told their sons about sin. They had to explain how they ended up where they were. I'm certain they admitted their own sin. Wouldn't you to prevent your children from doing the same thing you had done? I believe they taught them that sin needed a covering, explaining to them why they wore the skins of an animal. And I'm certain that they probably told those boys about when they tried to make their own covering. Remember that, don't you? I'm sure that they told their children about their own attempt at covering their sin, hiding from God, and I believe that they taught those children that every man-made attempt to cover their sins was wrong. Verse 21 of Genesis 3 says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord. God make coats of skins and clothe them. God did it. Every man-made attempt to cover our sin is worthless. It's like sowing leaves from a tree to try to cover our nakedness and shame. It's like hiding in a forest and thinking you can hide from God. Every man-made attempt to cover sin is worthless. And no matter how hard you try to do it, on your very own steam, it's worthless. And I believe that Adam and Eve taught them that God will provide a covering. The Lord God made coats of skin. And I can just about imagine that in explaining God's covering, they explained that they were covered by the skin of an innocent animal. That atonement required death of the innocent. Now, I believe they would have told both boys the same truth from the time that they were infants. And both boys had the same expectations. And both boys are of an actual uh, adult stature or at least some physical growth and stature or else one couldn't have killed the other like he did. So for all through all of those early years, they both must have been following the same pattern that had been given by their parents somewhere along the line Cain said I have, I had have just about enough of this somewhere along the line Cain decided that perhaps he knew better than God we are dealing with the faith of Abel but it begins here with what he and his brother heard from their parents truth about sin the truth about needing a covering for our sin the truth that that covering requires the death of an innocent one you and I are well aware that we're living in a generation where young people are not getting what they need to get are they oh education yeah they're getting education well to a degree these days nutrition sure more than enough food at least in our country isn't there clothing sure at least where we live they're getting those things but are they getting the truth about the gospel and their need parents have a responsibility to guide their children to god and the tragic thing is most parents are not guiding their children to god they're guiding their children to hell by the way that they live their own lives by the filth that they allow to be played in their homes, by the way they turn their children loose on the internet, by the things that the children are watching with their own eyes, their parents getting involved in. Parents used to bring their children to church and Sunday school, now they bring them to pubs to get drunk, to watch their parents get drunk. I'm thinking of people right now who used to come to this chapel and bring their children TO THIS CHAPEL, AND NOW THEY'D RATHER STAY HOME AND DRINK. And WATCH ALL THE RUBBISH OF THE WORLD. HELEN KELLER, YOU KNOW HELEN KELLER, THE STORY OF THIS BLIND, DEAF YOUNG, YOUNG LADY. HELEN KELLER BECAME DEAF AND BLIND AT THE AGE OF 19 MONTHS OLD. Her PARENTS HIRED A YOUNG LADY CALLED MRS. SULLIVAN TO COME AND TEACH HER. CAN YOU IMAGINE TRYING TO TEACH A GIRL? At 19 months old, wish well, she got a little bit older, can you imagine teaching a girl who was blind and deaf from 19 months trying to teach her how to communicate? Well, Miss Sullivan cared so much and Helen Keller's parents cared so much about her soul that they brought Philip Brooks, a preacher and a singer to tell her about God. Mrs. Sullivan used to sign in Helen's hands COMMUNICATE THAT WAY. THE PREACHER CAME, AND THERE WAS Miss SULLIVAN COMMUNICATING WITH HELEN KELLER, uh, TRANSLATING FOR THE PREACHER. AND WHEN THEY FINALLY GOT THE MESSAGE ACROSS, MUST HAVE TAKEN A LONG TIME TO GET THE MESSAGE OF GOD AND THE GOSPEL MESSAGE ACROSS, DO YOU KNOW WHAT HELEN KELLER'S RESPONSE WAS? I ALREADY KNEW THERE WAS A GOD. BLIND AND DEAF FROM 19 MONTHS OLD. It's very interesting to me. Something inside of Helen Keller testified that there is a God. Children already are born with an aptitude to come to God. They know he's real. Conscience bears evidence. But the world, the flesh, and the devil get busy very quickly when a child is born to affect the conscience of a child very early it starts it's a job of a parent to give truth job of a parent to protect the world the flesh and the devil are working to distort the thinking of the children the thinking the natural thinking and i believe this family adam and eve took the time to explain the things of god now talked about his family. Let's look together at the offerings that were made. It's interesting that in Genesis chapter four, verse number four, Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and look at the next expression, and of the fat thereof. Now what's the significance of that? It means he didn't just bring an animal to run around in front of God and kick up his heels, a pure white snow, snow white little lamb No, no. He took an animal and he put it to death. He was killed. Because the life of an innocent one must be killed or taken to cover the sins and atone for the sins of the guilty one. A picture from the start of a coming Messiah. And you couldn't bring fat unless a lamb had been slain. We come to verse number five, but unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. God didn't accept his offering. The Bible says that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. You ever wonder, well, why did that happen? Why didn't God accept it? Well, God didn't accept it because it wasn't what God required. God required the blood of an innocent one shed to cover sins. Some people get been out of shape. Well, Abel was a farmer, and uh, Cain was a farmer, and Abel was a shepherd, and they just brought what they had. No, it wasn't about bringing what they had. It was about obeying God. Abel was a shepherd, brought the firstlings of the flock. Cain was a farmer, brought the, the first fruits of the ground. But back up a moment. It was the faith of Abel that led him to bring the offering that he brought. It wasn't a coincidence. But it was the lack of faith that Cain lacked that led him to bring the offering that he brought. That wasn't an accident. Cain didn't accidentally bring fruit of the field. He deliberately, intentionally went his own way, the way of Cain. There came a point where he deliberately and intentionally said, I know this is what God says, but I'm going to do this. And so they brought these offerings. Evidently the same place was designated to come and to worship God. Some particular place of worship. And and Abel, because he believed, brought the most prized thing he had on earth. And this tells us that in doing so, he believed that God was more right than he was. But this is our problem. Cain said, no, I'm right. I know God said this, but I'm right. I'll do what I want, I'm right. Now I have some beautiful children, I thank God for them, but it doesn't take long For a child to begin to have that same mentality. It's very interesting. I could never understand why my mother got so frustrated with me, but I'm beginning to pick up on it. I often have this conversation, especially with my eldest. I know you think you know better than me, but I'm 36 years old and you're 10 years old. I think I know what I'm talking about more than you do. Now we think, laugh and shake our head and say, ah, it's silly that children would think they know better than their parents. But hold on just a moment. How many times do we, who are nothing but made from the dust of the earth, children of the great creator, God, the omnipotent, omniscient one, the God of the universe, how often do we say, well, you know, I know God, I know your word says this, but I, I think I've, I think I've got a better way. You see, what you do with God's command, his commands, shows who you think is right. You or God. Every day we face this. Every day we face the question, am I going to follow in the way of Abel or follow in the way of Cain? Do you insist constantly that you are right? Some some people are naturally so stubborn that if you ask them to do something, they're going to do the opposite just because you asked them to do it. I'm thinking of somebody right now like that. And I'm telling you, some people are so bullheaded and proud and stubborn that they're going to do what they want to do no matter what. Well, that's okay to a point when it's involved with, with, with the rest of humanity. It's still not a good thing. But has that been transferred over to your relationship with God? That you only do what you want to do when you want to do it. There's an awful, ugly sin of pride involved in that. Or will you say, let God be true and every man a liar? By what he did with his flock, Abel said God was right. And he also said, I am guilty. Otherwise, he wouldn't have needed a sacrifice. That's a very difficult thing for people to say today. I'm guilty. We have a hard time saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I'm guilty. Why? Because we're so full of ourselves. So full of self-will. But he also declared this when he laid down, took the life of that flock, the sheep or goat from the flock. Here's what else he said. God's merciful. We get get it all wrong. We look at this story and say, "Well, that was pretty nasty of God. No, 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 Abel knew, more than you do, Abel knew how merciful God was because he understood that God had made a way for them, humanity, to be forgiven. There is a way to God. There's a way to worship God. And Abel understood that by faith, he understood that it took a death a slain lamb to make this offering. Abel showed what he believed by what he did. It's interesting. We tell on ourselves by what we do. Our actions reveal what we really believe. Oh, I'm a good Christian. I really believe the word of God. But you run out there and live like the devil. Your actions show what you believe. I'm sure Cain's offering looked good. But it wasn't what God wanted. We've got to get to the point where we stop thinking that because it looks good, it's acceptable to God. Because it sounds good, it's acceptable to God. Cain's offering tells us his heart wasn't right with God. Somebody, One commentator mentioned that Cain acknowledged that God was the creator and the sustainer in his offering. He was acknowledging, look God, you created this and therefore I'm, uh, I'm giving it back to you. But he refused to acknowledge God as judge and savior think about that if his heart had been right with god if he had faith in god his offering would have been different now you and i have an opportunity today to present our bodies a living sacrifice romans chapter 12 verses 1-2 to but do you know why we don't do it do you know why we don't offer ourselves a living sacrifice day after day it's because our faith is not properly placed in god If our faith was properly placed in him, we would yield to whatever it is he requires. And so we find in verses 6 and following in Genesis chapter 4 what what, what happens. The Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? Why are you angry? It's interesting. It's those who are self-willed that get angry at this story. Isn't that interesting? I meet people occasionally occasion say, what? "Come on, what's the big deal? Why, did, why why'd God why was, why was God not happy with Cain's offering? Well hold on a moment. Because it wasn't what God required. Why are you angry? Why art thou wroth? and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Look, God, God didn't want to reject Cain. He didn't want to reject Cain. But he had to because he deliberately and intentionally disobeyed. I'm sure that a judge doesn't go to work every day wanting to put criminals behind prison bars, but he has to because they have chosen intentionally and deliberately to break the law and do what's wrong. And we think that's normal, but you don't, for some reason it doesn't sit well with you to stand before God and give an answer for why you didn't follow in his way. For some reason, it doesn't sit well with the majority of public to hear that there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. It doesn't sit well with them, but they're okay with it in the court of law. It goes on. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him, killed him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now can you imagine two sons? having the same home, same parents, same teaching. One says, I'm going to live God's way. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to put my faith in God. I'm going to believe in God's word. I'm not just going to say it, but I'm going to live it. And the other one says, I am not going to get serious about this business. I'm going to live how I want to live. I've got a good enough way. I'm a pretty good guy. I've got my own ideas about religion. I can make my own offering. And we see where that kind of lack of faith led Cain. When a sinful creature does not obey the Lord and does not seek after the covering that God has offered for sin, the issues of life and the human heart does not get any better. It gets harder and harder and harder and darker and darker until one day Cain rose up and killed his own brother. Look how tragic life becomes when you refuse to obey God and you determine to go your way instead. We go back to our text in Hebrews chapter 11. We'll close it up with this last little thought. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Now, I love this. What is the result of doing, of living by faith? And by living by faith, you then obey the Lord. What's the result? I love this. By which, by faith offered unto God a more... Uh, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. What, what, What is that? By which, by what, did he obtain witness that he was righteous? What was it that God said that made him righteous? You say, was it his sacrifice, the excellent sacrifice, or was it by faith? Both. You can't separate them. If you have the faith, you'll make the sacrifice. If you don't have the faith, you won't make the sacrifice. When you lack the sacrifice, here's what it says, you don't have faith. When we don't go God's way, we give evidence that we don't have the faith in God that we ought to. And the end of verse 4 says this, he being dead yet speaketh. Genesis chapter 4 says, his blood is crying out from the ground. He's been sinned against, he's been murdered, something isn't right. Have you ever, 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 been, uh, ever had anything done wrong to you? Have you ever been wronged before? And have you ever wondered, will it ever be made right? Let me tell you, it will one day all be made right. Revelation chapter six and verse nine and 10 tells us that one day it will all be made right. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? There's coming a day when God will answer their cry and avenge their blood. There are offended people all over the world. I I, I watched a very disturbing video clip earlier about a man having a police officer put his police officer put his knee on his neck and held his knee there for nine minutes. The police officer did and listened to this African-American man crying, please, I can't breathe. And the man died. And people are in an uproar, injustice. People have been sinned against. How long until it will be made right? How long? December 14th, 2012, you probably remember it. 20 year old Adam Lanza walked into an elementary school and, in less than five minutes, shot 26 people and killed them. 20 of them were ages six and seven. And then he killed himself. Oh, you say, well, at least if the, the police would have arrested him, then they could have. Giving him justice, but he killed his own life. Now there'll never be justice for those children. No, no, no. There will be justice one day. Their blood cries out from the ground. And it cries, will it ever be made right? The second child born on earth was the first human to die. Murdered by his own brother. And we wonder, will it ever be made right? Can I tell you, there's a God in heaven who's going to answer and avenge his children and make it all right. You can count on it. Some of you have gone through some tragic, tragic situations in life. Some of you right now are going through some things. You face bumps in the roads and you just can't seem to get over it. How do we get over it? I'll tell you how we get over it, by faith. Just keep your faith in God and do what's right. There are two ways in this world it's going to happen. You're going to be hurt. Because there are many, many people following in the way of Cain. Just keep your faith in God. Have faith in God. By faith, Abel offered. He did what was right. So you and I must continue. No matter how much we've been hurt. Let's continue to do that which is right. And then, he being dead, yet speaketh. Your testimony will continue to speak. People will continue to talk about you. We talk about people, don't we, all the time. We've been martyred at the stake just around the corner here. Three men, Ridley, Latimer, and Cranmer, three men burned at the stake in 1555 and 56. We still talk about them today, 400 years later. More than that. We still talk about them today. Why? Because he being dead yet speaketh. You see, we're we're so afraid sometimes of following God because of the consequences that we want to go our own way. Let's follow God, regardless of the cost, regardless of the consequence. We'll leave it all to Him. Have faith in God. Go in the way of Cain or the way of Abel.